hell are you supposed to be? I'm comic book movie guy. People come up to me all the time and they ask me, what's your favorite novel? What's your favorite novel, Bram? Well, I'll tell you today. Because today's episode is going to be surrounded solely on novels. Now you can say to me, comic book movie guy, why are you doing novels? That has nothing to do with comics. Oh, how wrong you are, my friend. There are comics that have been adapted into novels. And if that's your thing, go on Amazon and buy them. Because they're cheap. They're so cheap. And they're some of the best reads I've ever had. And the artwork is phenomenal. For example, we're going to start with the first book. And the only book that I have that is a comic that has been adapted into a novel. Several out there. But the only one I currently possess is The Killing Joke. And let me tell you, for free here, this is a little free advice. If you have not read Daddy's First comic or baby's first DC comic, The Killing Joke, then you're missing out on a lot. You can't truly, really call yourself a fan of um, the comics uh, without reading the source material, right? And the number one source for the Joker, for me, and a bit of a Batman story there too, is The Killing Joke. And uh, yeah, Anyways, it's a very good novel, but that's not what I'm here to talk to you about today. I'm here to talk to you about my favorite novels of all time. Most of them, as you can imagine, have been adapted into movies. Um, but yeah, I thought it would be a fun little segment here um, for this episode. So the first one I'm going to start with is Gone Girl. Now, if you've seen Gone Girl, then you know that uh, the story is nothing short of uh, great um, between Amy Elliott Dunn and Nick Dunn um, you get two sides of the spectrum essentially throughout the whole uh, book and the movie does a good job of displaying that I thought because you sort of see Nick's perspective um, at the beginning and the audience is sort of uh, tricked by Amy as well so that's why the reveal that Amy was all along the liar and setting up her husband, um, that reveal was extra, extra critical in the movie because um, it was important uh, to do the shift the way that the book does because the book does it so well when Nick finds uh, the woodshed full of uh, credit card stuff that he had bought uh, that Amy stole his card and did, uh, the purchases. So that was pretty hard to beat and I thought that uh, they did a really really good job in the movie for that one and of course yeah, you know how it ends it's uh, it's uh, it's like tragic but like you feel bad for Nick Dunn at the end in in a way uh, but you also sort of it's it's kind of this moment where I go I'm a villain person right I love villains so when you're doing Gone Girl, 
you're kind of looking at Amy as the main villain by the end of it. And you kind of go, wow, she won. And I thought that David Fincher was like the perfect director for this movie because if you like look like and break down the shots of this movie he uses like a blue filter over top of his camera like almost every single one of David Fincher's movies has sort of like a bluish tone to it um, he did seven which is a huge favorite of mine uh, to go on a little David Fincher tangent for you um, he's like probably one of my favorite visual directors um and the reason for that is mostly because of his choices that he makes for both both his cast and the visuals with the camera like i'm i've grown to really sort of like respect the crew that's involved with the movies as i grow up and as i um pay more attention to that sort of thing if that's not your thing, that's totally cool. But sometimes it's really awesome if you're like watching a movie, if you just think to yourself, okay, this was a setup shot and they're reading a script. Like it's it's quite the, it's something cool to ponder um, when you're watching anything. And it makes sort of any movie or any show like boring, dull, fascinating, interesting. It makes them that much better because you kind of think of it in a way what led them to choose to do that shot? You know, what, like, and how did the actor feel about doing this? Or, you know, like, I love stuff like that. But yeah, like, David Fincher did The Social Network, which I love. I thought it was a great uh, interpretation of that story of Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook and everything. Uh, he has the show Mind Hunter on Netflix, which I love that show. That's basically like any. Uh, serial killer from the past that you've heard about is covered in that show and uh, is covered well I might add um, and then obviously Gone Girl and uh, House of Cards was the other show that he did that I was really really fond of I loved that show and then you know all the news came out about Kevin Spacey and yeah the show didn't end well but uh, you know there wasn't much that Fincher could do there so moving on to the next book this is a little bit of a darker book, um, but if you're a fan of uh, a sort of darker novel, um, I'd be more than happy to lend any one of these to you. But this is called Forgive Me, Leonard Peacock. It's by uh, an author by the name of Matthew Quick. Um, it's, uh, it's deep, man. It's about uh, Leonard Peacock, and uh, that's the boy, and it's his birthday, and uh, he's, it's essentially the day that he's chosen, he will kill his former best friend and then himself with his grandfather's pistol. And, you know, it's very dark, but Leonard has a great sense of humor. And throughout, you know, he sort of like is talking to friends at school and stuff. And, you know, he's talking about he's how he's just going to just completely kill them like wipe them off the face of the earth but he's like joking to himself essentially right so you're sort of in the mind of leonard peacock a very interesting read a satisfying read um but a dark read um yeah it's dangerous it's a dangerous book i'll, I'll put it that way but if you if you also like to live dangerously 
then I can, you know, exchange books with you. Let's move on to a sci-fi. I got The Martian here by Andy Weir. And uh, man, I've read this book so many times. Um, there's not only is Andy Weir's brain uh, a step above everyone on this planet, uh, he's also a very, very descriptive author. And I really, really enjoy his books. Um, he's done a couple, but I'm too scared to read another one of his books. Or like I say, so I say that, uh, <coughs> uh, excuse me, I say that I like his books in the sense that I love the ideas behind his books. I haven't actually read any of his books um, except for The Martian. And that is another one that was a really, really good uh, film adaptation as well with Matt Damon. If you haven't seen The Martian, then I highly recommend you go watch it. But it's a great novel as well. And the book uh, is very similar to the movie. It's one of those... Uh, movies where they did uh, stay very very close to the source material and I think the ending is slightly different but apart from that another great novel there this is a book that I bought in a time in my life where I was going through a breakup and I was sort of down on myself and uh, I read this book and it sort of inspired me to look at the world a little differently um, and it's called a, uh, a monster calls and it has been at in it has been adapted into a film as well um, but it's about a little boy who uh, speaks with a monster at night and basically the monster takes him around and teaches him lessons um, about what's about to happen essentially in his life and that's you know his mom is dying of cancer and it's uh it's a really heavy heavy story but the the novel itself they chose to mix the each page with the artwork um and the illustrations are done by a man named jim k and it's probably one of my favorite books that i own because of the artwork as well it's almost a bit of a graphic novel in the sense that you're reading an actual novel, but he's sort of tied in the illustrations um, in with the context of the novel. It's it's a great read, and it tells, a, like it gives you a really good message, and it teaches you that, you know, there are things, there are ways to look at things in the world, and there are ways that we can deal with things, and we don't have to always, um, you know, look at things in a negative way there are positives and there are things that we can look forward to and you know it's just a and it's a true heartfelt story so i love that one maybe it was because of the vulnerable time i was at in my life that i loved it so much because i know the movie didn't get great reviews i think liam neeson plays the tree or something and uh, yeah the animation didn't look great but i like I mean, it's a sad story, but I don't know. I could have had deeper ties to to that movie than I should have or that I had any right to. Moving on. This is uh, one of the only autobiographies 
hope I said that right, could be just biography, that uh, I own. And it's by a man named Lewis Howes. And he was a former athlete. And it's called The Mask of Masculinity. And there's a lot of good stuff in this book. Uh, I've read it a few times. I've highlighted pages. There's things that I just kind of not relate to, but um, that, you know, in a time where I was kind of, I think I bought this book when I was like 19 or 20. So pretty like early stages of like adulthood, right? And it just kind of taught me a few things like that this guy, like that I never fully understood at the time that I read it, but now rereading it at age 26, um, it sort of guided me in a direction that uh, allowed me to be like a respectful person. And I think that that was really important and it helped with like mental stress as well. So I highly recommend The Mask of Masculinity most for most of my male audience. Um, and if there's any of my female audience out there, there actually are, there are sections in this book for a female audience as well. Like if you have, you know, a significant other that um, might be dealing with, you know, different things or wants a, a read that would sort of, you know, maybe point him in some inspired directions, then this is a great book um, for them as well. So, and to read together. I'm going to move on to my last book. I've saved this for last. This is, uh, this is a unique book for me because it's done by a man by the name of Bobby Hall. And Bobby Hall, I just purchased his uh, biography or autobiography. I really need to learn these terms, man. Like, I'm, you know, I'm doing this podcast and like I'm trying to be professional with it, but then like I... I don't know the difference between a biography and, you know, uh, geography and autobiography. Or is it audio? No, audio is music. Anyways, moving on. Bobby Hall, a.k.a. y'all might know him as Logic, the rapper. Logic. He writes books. And he's mighty mighty good at it, if I I may add. Um, He wrote, his debut book is called Supermarket. And if you're a fan of Logic, you've read Supermarket. And uh, if you're not a fan of Logic, then you probably haven't. Um, but you may have because it's it's it was literally everywhere. And uh, it's essentially just a work of fiction. And he writes about a man or a boy named Flynn. And uh, it's just, you know, the book screams Logic. When I read it, uh, the pages, the way he writes, it's... Uh, it's a dip into Logic's brain, and Logic's brain is a good time. The way he sees things, the way he talks, the way he moves, the way he thinks. Um, he's a fascinating guy, and he's got quite the brain on him. And uh, any time that, you know, a guy with that much talent and uh, skill in uh, writing rap lyrics, in my opinion, uh, sits down to write a novel... Uh, I, I, I pay attention. <laughs> I go out and buy that book because, uh, you know, Logic isn't an ordinary rapper. He's a very, uh, he's a very, very smart guy. <laughs> and, uh, if you don't know of Logic, check him out. You know, he gets a lot of heat for being mainstream. 
and for selling out on different things. And I don't love every single one of Logic's songs, but you're not going to love every single artist's song that he puts out. But I love the message that Logic puts out. And uh, I love what he stands for. And his writing was phenomenal. I thought it was a stunning debut. <laughs> I say that as I'm reading the back of the novel. The stunning debut novel from one of the most creative artists of our generation, Bobby Hall, a.k.a. Logic. So I totally just forged that off the back of the book. You're welcome. So yeah, supermarket. Uh, and, you know, you ever walk around your community and some of the houses that you walk past have those little, like, birdhouses or, like, small little, like, mailboxes that like have those books for exchange I love those like that makes my day when I find one of those the problem is is I don't carry books around with me so I never have one so I just go around and like raid these things whenever I'm walking and I I feel so bad when I'm like looking at them and not putting one back that I just sometimes I'm like uh I'm just going to put it back anyways. And then I don't take it. And then I have this like guilt when I walk away. Because I'm like, I have this shame that I didn't take it home. You know? Are you one of those people that looks at items like a pop can? And like still have that kid in you that thinks that that pop can has an emotion? Or that light bulb has an emotion? Thanks, Pixar. I think that when I look around... And I think of items like my guitar, it gets sad when I don't play it for a long time. My mom really instilled that in me as a child, you know? When it's like, that vehicle has a name. Oh, we named our vehicles. Did your parents name vehicles when you grew up? We just named every single vehicle you could possibly imagine. It had, I think, we had an Acura MDX and my mom named it Max because it was an MDX. And then Ashton's car had a name as well. Oh God. I need a refresher on the names. I just, oh, Ruby. Ruby was my dad's truck. My dad still drives that truck around. He doesn't call it Ruby. My, my mom does. Uh, 2004 Dodge Dakota. That's been a good truck for him. I think my dad, I have a story about my dad, actually. I, so I went to Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, in theaters with uh, Zane Tomich. And we saw the movie and I was over the moon excited, right? So when I got home, like we saw a late show, we got home. The next morning I got up and I, I went upstairs and my parents were eating breakfast. Um, and I said to them, I'm like, I'm going again. And they laughed. They laughed and laughed at me. Like, well, when are you going? I'm like, there's a noon show. There's a matinee in Leduc. I'm going. So I messaged my friends. I remember I messaged them and they were all busy. So I'm like, okay, whatever. Well, I'm going by myself, I said. Like, I don't care. I'm going to see this movie again. And my dad goes, no. Nah, no, nah, I'll go with you. So, so my dad and I, who never interact like this, we never just go to movies together, go to the Leduc cinema. And we get there and, you know, 
we're trying to figure out, you know, where's where's the movie theater, you know, like we're being men and we're walking in there and we get up to the front and the guy's like, uh, so, so to what? And I'm like, to, to Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. And my dad goes, yep, on debit. So my dad pays for the movie. So then we go in, we grab popcorn, we grab our candy, whatever. And my dad doesn't really get much. He he got uh, a drink and I think that was it. Like he got a pop, I think. And then he might've had some of my popcorn. I don't know. We might've split the snack. I don't like, he just didn't get much. I remember he didn't get much. And this is where it gets funny, right? Because BVS is, uh, it's a long movie and there's a lot of CGI and, uh, it's, uh, it's like, it's like a political thriller, but it's also like, it takes itself really seriously and it's just, it's not my dad's movie at all, right? Like it's just not a Pizzali. But for me, I saw it the night before and I was just like, vibrating. I couldn't wait to see it again. Right. So I'm in theaters and I'm like, I'm in the seat. I I know kind of what to expect. You know, when you see a movie for the first time and it's like, it's so epic and awesome that you like, you remember tidbits, but not the full thing. That's why that second viewing for me is just so special. It's because it's, it's that second viewing and you recognize scenes. Your brain recognizes scenes that you were like, Oh shit, this was awesome. Right. But then there's also those scenes that like make you, it like expands on your memory almost the second viewing. And that's what I love about it. But anyways, my dad and I sit through this two hour and 47 minute movie, right? <clears throat> Superman dies. You know, the movie ends on a fairly sad note at the funeral. And then the movie ends with the dirt rising off of the, off of the uh, coffin. So it's hinted that, you know, Superman's coming back, right? So I look over at my dad, who on and off had definitely slept, right? Because you know what it's like when you go to an action movie that you don't care about. It's just the action becomes like exhausting. You know what I mean? And that was him. Like he was drained. And to this day, I still believe that what he said to me was bullshit. He turns to me and he goes, it's really good. Lots of CGI. <laughs> like, how am I, like, what, how would you take that? That's really good. Lots of CGI. Even that tone would have been a bit better. But he questioned the CGI almost. He's like, really good. Lots of CGI. Like, yeah, that's the point. Like, you want Superman on a harness? Is that it? You know, I took, I remember, and like, that's an age, right? Where you're really defensive. Like I was like, you know, 20, what was I like? 23, maybe 24. And I was so defensive. I remember I was just like, you know, when I won't tell them, I'm like, oh yeah, like, you know, I glad, I'm glad you enjoyed it, you know, kind of thing. But it's, it's certainly something in the back of my mind when I sit here talking to you guys on the podcast today. Like, did dad, did dad bullshit me? And did he pity watch Batman v Superman with me that day? And if so, what a man, you know, what a dad sat through like basically three hours of torture. If you're not into that sort of thing, 
just because he didn't want his son to go to the movies alone in Leduc, you know, at noon on a Saturday. That's a good guy. That tells you a lot about Dwayner, about Dwan, Dwanyana, Dwanye. The list goes on. So if you're ever in the neighborhood and you're looking for a book that you'd like to exchange, or you have a book that you absolutely love, like it's your, it's your, uh, what do you call that? Creme de l'amour or your, uh, your, <laughs> I'm going to completely butcher this. You'll learn this about me. If you listen to my podcast over a certain amount of time, you'll learn that I just absolutely butcher words and butcher terms. It's who I am as a person. And you're either okay with that or you're not. You're either here for it or you're not. And then I transform into this New York style accent and I, I, could, I could talk to you for hours about how I'd kick your ass right off this podcast. Anyways, thanks for listening, guys. Whoa! This guy's crazy! You're a part of this, too. How am I part of this? You'll see.